This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit walkwiththeking.org forward slash donate. Thank you for listening. All right, thank you very much. And hello again, radio friends. How in the world are you? You doing all right today? Well, I trust so. Bless your heart. I'm fine, thank you. Nice of you to ask. I feel great. Praise the Lord. No complaints. And I'm so grateful for the privilege of being with you for just a few moments by way of radio as we look at the Word of God. A million years from now, what will be important? What kind of a car you drove, what kind of a house you lived in, how much money you made, what clothes you wore, what clubs you belonged to, what promotions you achieved? I doubt it. A million years from now, you and I will be talking about the very things we talk about every day on the radio, the eternal Word of God, His truth, His will, His purpose, working through you and through me and through millions of other believers across the world. Oh, that's what counts, and that's what makes these broadcasts significant and worthwhile for you and for me. Thanks for being there on the listening end. Look at Ephesians 4. Now, we talked about the unity of the Spirit. That's verse 3. And in developing that thought, Paul talks about one body, that's the church, all of the believers in all the world, one body, one spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, one hope of your calling, that's the hope of achieving God's purpose through the living person, the Lord Jesus, who is himself the embodiment of our hope for eternal life. One Lord, that's where we were the last time we got together, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. That's the unity of the Spirit. Then in verse 7, you, you begin talking about the variety of God's gifts. Unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. And he talks about the different gifts. We'll get into that later on. Right now we go back to that phrase, one Lord. Greek word kurios, Lord, used often and often. In the New Testament, they called him Lord, and he accepted that. He said to his disciples one day, Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye do well, for so I am. No question about the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ knew exactly who he was and why he was there. He said, For this cause came I into the world. He knew why he was there. He knew what he was and who he was. These people who mumble about the fact that uh, there, there wasn't any awareness on the part of our Savior as to his deity, they are simply either ill-informed or deceptive. Read your Bible and you'll find that the Lord Jesus Christ always knew that he was and is what he always will be, Lord of all. One Lord. Lord of all. Acts 10.36, he is Lord of all. Lord over all, Romans 10.12. And then Lord both of the dead and the living. He's Lord of people who've gone by 
in the pages of history, and he's Lord of everyone who lives today. Jesus is Lord. Now, how do you make that personal to you? I talked a little bit with you about putting it into the different situations of life as we looked for illustration purposes at the second chapter of Philippians. You recall that? Lord of your feelings, Lord of your motives, Lord of your mind, Lord of your personal relationships, Lord of your methods, and Lord of your ministry or your message. That's, uh, that's the first, oh, about 16 verses of, of Philippians chapter 2. It occurs to me, however, that we still need something to get a handle on it for ourselves. Let me refer you then to the, the passage that deals with the conversion of Saul of Tarsus. Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the, the believers, was on his way, the, the Bible says, uh, to Damascus. And uh, he had letters with him that of authority, uh, that if he found any of this way, that's the way they, they characterized believers in that day, the way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. Now suddenly there was the light shining from heaven, and he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? The Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the ox goad. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? The Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, it shall be told thee what thou must do. Well, he went on into Damascus, and Ananias uh, came and prayed with him, and uh, Paul's uh, blind eyes were opened, and he was able to see, and then immediately went out and gave out his testimony concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, that's the in brief the story of what happened at the conversion of, of Saul of Tarsus. Now, what is the point that will make it real in my experience and in yours? There are two questions that you need to ask and answer if you want the Lordship of Christ to be real. The first is, Lord, who art thou? He, trembling and astonished, said, who art thou, Lord? Well, you say, I know all about him. He's Jesus. Yes, that's right. But he says, I am Jesus. And you go back to Matthew one twenty one. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. The root meaning of that word the name of Jesus, the root meaning of it is Jehovah will save. And so he referred then to the fact that he's the Savior. That's where you start. The Savior, the one through whom salvation comes. Paul said in 1 Timothy 2, 5, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus one mediator. He's the only one who can get you through to God. Jesus, our Lord, himself said, John fourteen six, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. 
And uh, so you have the sovereign will of God. No man can come to me except the Father draw him. You have the sovereign will of God, and you have the, the distinct way to God turning out to be a person, a wonderful, lovely person, the Lord Jesus Christ. Who is he? He's the Savior. He's the only Savior. He's the God-appointed Savior. He is God himself in the flesh, come to pay your debt of sin and to raise you in the heavenlies, to sit with him and to be identified with him and to be seen by holy eyes through him. God looks at you through, through Christ's work on the cross. Jesus, who art thou? What else? He said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. Recognize the fact that that before and until you become a born-again believer, all that you are doing is fighting against God. Paul speaks in, in Romans, uh, verse, uh, what is it, about 8 of chapter 5, when we were enemies by wicked works, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Enemies? Yes, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. See, he thought he, was, he thought he was persecuting Christians. God said, you're persecuting me. If when we were enemies, it's verse 10 of Romans 5, enemies, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. Has it dawned on you? My friend, you're not a Christian yet, some of you. You're religious enough to listen to Cook once in a while, if for no other reason than to find something you can argue about. That's all right. I'm glad you're listening. But you're not a Christian. You're not a believer. Do you realize that all that you're doing is fighting against Almighty God? See, That is a sobering thought. Oh, you say, I wouldn't do that. Oh, yes, you would, because you're doing it. I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. What you do in ungodly ways and in Christ-rejecting ways and in a secularist philosophy of life, the, the, the kind of a lifestyle that says, I can get along without God, what are you doing? You're actually fighting God, the one who said, come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's the second thing in, in knowing something about the Lordship of Christ. And then the third thing is, it's hard for you to kick against the ox goad. Now, this appeals to farmers, you know. You've, uh, you've all, uh, those of you who've been brought up on the farm, you've all seen the tendency of cattle to resist going in either into the cattle chute or even into the barn sometimes. And so you have to prod them along. Now, the, the fact of the matter is, is that the cow always loses. <laughs> That's the fact of it. He can kick, he or she can kick, uh, you know, and, and, and uh, back up against the goad. All it does is hurt a little more. That's what the Savior is saying to, to Saul of Tarsus. He said, there isn't any percentage in this. You're fighting something that you can't win at. You always lose. Hard for you. Bible says the way of transgressors is hard. 
All you buy for yourself by your self-will, all that you buy is heartache. I want it my way. Don't tell me, ask me, was the phrase of of a well-known show business person for many years. Don't tell me, ask me. You know, I'm going to do it my way. Well, all that you buy with that is heartache and disillusionment and sorrow and pain. Hard for you to kick against the ox good. The cow always loses. Why don't you say yes to God today, friend? Hmm? And for those of you who are believers, remember the Lordship of Christ means saying yes to him. It means saying yes to him. We'll get at this second phrase the next time we get together. But for now, let me remind you, there are so many areas of our lives where real peace and real joy will come only and immediately when you say, all right, Lord, you win. I'll do it your way. You never need to be in doubt about the will of God on anything that matters. Anything that matters, God will guide you. The Lord shall guide thee continually, the Bible says. So say yes to him today, will you? Don't be kicking against the ox goat. Remember, the cow always loses. Let God win. Dear Father, today help us to say yes to your blessed will. In Jesus' name I ask this, amen. Till I meet you once again by way of radio, walk with the King today and be a blessing.